Welcome to the new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Weintraub, but coming in from New Orleans this time. How are you doing, Seth? I'm good. All right, let's jump right in. Uh, though we don't have that many articles to discuss today, it was just a slow week, uh, so we're going to have plenty of time to answer you guys' questions or any other topic in the EV world you want us to discuss today, so please put that in the comments section below. Uh, before we jump into the comment and uh, into the news this week, let me say a quick word uh, of thank you to our sponsor, Pedigo, for sponsoring this week's episode of the Electric Podcast. For July only, save up to $500 on Pedigo e-bikes, including their newest model, the Avenue. You can find a store near you uh, in the show notes and then if you click the link in the notes. We're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show, so stay tuned for that. But let's jump right into the news this week, starting with uh, probably the biggest news of the week, this um, this video of a what appeared to be a leak of the actual, like people are a little bit weird about what you're calling this thing here. I'm calling it a people mover. I think it's the more accurate thing, like the, the less descriptive also, but this people are calling the Tesla van, the, the Tesla like subway cart, like there's, there's a bunch of different words for it. But it's basically this here that we, we've been talking about for a while, the boring company people mover that Tesla is supposed to be working on uh, to operate within the Tesla, sorry, not the Tesla, but the boring company loops and maybe eventually Hyperloops. So right now it's only the Model 3, Model Y, Model X that are being used inside the tunnels under Las Vegas. But there's been a rumor that uh, Tesla was working on a new vehicle for the boring company that can transport up to 12 people. This was actually a requirement in some of the project that uh, the boring company has been involved in. And now this week, it was leaked by um, local video content creator out of Las Vegas, Jacob Horth. He didn't say how he obtained it, he, only that it was from within the Boring Company um, headquarters in Las Vegas. And I'm going to play the video real quick here. It's pretty quick. It looks like a very rough prototype. But at the same time, it looks very much like what we're, we're seeing in, in this image here. So an all-glass vehicle with what looks like bus or subway benches within the vehicle. And what makes us think that it's, it is indeed a Tesla vehicle is that at uh, one point, you can see the, the steering wheel and you, you, you can see it's a Tesla steering wheel. And it would make sense also if, if it's a Boring Company vehicle that Tesla would manufacture it because Tesla has manufactured all the Boring vehicle to date. But yeah, again, looks like a very early prototype. <laughs> would you agree, Seth? Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like a, a greenhouse you would buy at like Home Depot or something. But um, it's interesting that it even has a steering wheel. Uh, you know, with the with uh, you know with the full self driving autonomy stuff and the very closed uh, loops um, that the boring company runs. Like, I'm surprised that Tesla believes that. It will need a steering wheel whenever this thing comes out in, you know, whatever amount of years. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we we talked a few weeks ago actually about the last time you went there, and you said that it, it was the thing where the autopilot, even the autopilot, wouldn't work well in the, in the loop, so that they really require drivers for the existing Tesla vehicles. So, I'm not that surprised that they would 
need a steering wheel for this one too. And actually, it's a lot more efficient. At, at least if you have a driver that needs to be there, a lot more efficient if you can fit a dozen people in there than if you can fit uh, three or four. Yeah, and I, um, also, you know, Las Vegas is quite sunny and hot. Um, I wonder about the uh, idea of building a glass enclosure, uh, if that's smart, uh, if it's going to go outside at all. I don't know if this thing is going to, you know, right you know, right now that the cars operate all underground, so I don't know if that's a consideration. Um, also, you don't need to worry too much about crashing, hopefully. Technically, maybe you do. I don't know. But, uh, you know, having a, a full glass uh, vehicle, you know, it doesn't really bode well if you're in an uh, accident. So, yeah, the, the, it sounds like it's really meant to be operated inside the tunnels. But at the same time, why do you need all glass if you're inside a tunnel? Right. Also? Yeah. Yeah, what, what are you looking at? Um, but originally, the original Boring Company plan was that okay, that was one of the points when people brought up like how is it better than a subway and how is it better than a subway that was like the main question that people were asking Elon and his main um, differentiator from a subway is like yeah but you can take them to the final destination so you can take them out of the, of the tunnels after that and bring them to a specific location which is a good idea obviously but yeah for the points that you just mentioned I just mentioned it's like it's not clear if that thing is meant to get out of a tunnel at all, and especially with regulation on the roads, it made sense when Tesla is using a Model Three, a Model Y, Model, Model X, or whatever. Like that is already rated to be on, on public roads. This thing would need to be um, homologated for that too. So, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that it looks. Uh, I mean, we couldn't confirm that this was obviously from the, the boring company, but it looks extremely likely to me. And um, the Boeing company hasn't denied it. Uh, so it's interesting that Tesla is working on that, at least. All right. Uh, we uh, also have an article this week on uh, Tesla's uh, comments to the EPA about the latest uh, emissions rules for 2027 to 2032. So they have been submitted earlier this year, and they are uh, about to be approved. But there's public comments that uh, the EPA is taking and Tesla released its own, and they are unsurprisingly arguing for stronger regulations. And uh, they are using a number that Elon is very fond of, number 69. So instead of the current proposal, which uh, would would ask for 50, uh, yeah, a reduction of emissions from new vehicle by 56%, which would translate to 60% of new vehicle being electric by 2030 and 67% by 2032. Um, that Tesla uh, is, is Tesla actually makes the argument in their comment that uh, there's a way to get to, to 100% by 2030, which I agree with. But I, I think Tesla is playing like the safe card here is like, all right, and we're not necessarily going to push for 100% because it's not likely to be accepted, but they want to push it a little bit higher than 67 by 2032. They want to go with 69. I don't know if it's just like 2% more is not that much. And I don't know if it's almost just a joke to bring attention to their the possibility to reach 100% by 2030. But which I think is like, I understand why Tesla wouldn't push for that, but I think it's very possible even though uh, 
basically every analyst was going to tell you that's that's not possible. And I understand why, because it's we are right now we are about at eight percent, I think. Um, between uh, we, last year we were at we had the last year number. I put that in there. I would assume. Yeah, we were at five percent last year. This year, I think we are trending to be at around eight to ten percent, which is a big jump from from five percent. Yeah, we double um, every year. Yeah, if you double a year, you get there by 2030 very quickly. Uh, however, there's it's not as easy as that in terms of the auto industry to just build that kind of capacity of building electric vehicles so quickly in the, in the millions of units. It's around 100 million vehicle building capacity annually, and getting that from 5 million to 100 million is extremely difficult. Even though Tesla wants 20% of all that um, by 2030. So if if Tesla can do that, like the rest of the industry can take care of the other eighty percent, I feel like I feel like it's very doable. And by the rest of the industry, I mean like five or six of them um, will take like the bulk of it. Then maybe like a few more will take a small percentage, and then a few others will just go out of business. I think for just being too slow and too into moving into that transition. Yep. But on the people are not, not even looking at that as the thing that it's slowing down. They're getting to 100. percent They're looking on the consumer mindset, and, and I agree. That's right now the consumer mindset would would put it at impossible to go 100 percent because not 100 percent of new car buyers want to have a, uh, an electric vehicle as their next car. Though it, it's close to 50 percent in most credible surveys and that's the, the important part is like you have to be careful with these surveys because they're not super uh accurate in the sense that it's hard to especially now in this market to find new car buyers like people that are going to buy the next car is going to be a new car because the market is just a mess right now we're going to get into it with the the used car market is even weirder right now because you would you would think that um price would be going up for, for, for used car as there's more buyers than ever for used car as new car are, are become inaccessible due to financing options but it's the other way going around so we'll get into that um, but yeah I, I think you can go from 8% 10% let, let's say that 10% I think is achievable in 2023 because of the what I just mentioned too getting to 100% in 7 years it, it's not easy but this mind shift this this mindset is shifting so fast because people are thinking more and more about all right what is the next it's, it's such a transitional technology that you just don't want to be holding on you don't want to have a flip phone while everybody has a smartphone and it, I, I would think it's even bigger than that because like at least your flip phone you didn't have to bring it to, to uh, every uh, every week to a flip phone place to change the battery pack in it like you, like you would you do with a gasoline car you have to go to the, the gas station so it's it's a mother powering your your device here that's completely different so you don't want to be left out and new car buyers when you're buying a, a car it's the second biggest purchase that most people are going to do in their life other than their house so you think a lot about it and you take into account things like cost of owning uh, which include the resale value and then once you start getting into that things things get a lot more serious fast i hope i put the used car after that no i didn't but i'm gonna get into it right here
So speaking of used cars, electric used car value has been dropping extremely fast. And unsurprisingly, that's because of Tesla. It's just because of market share. It's, it's not specific to something bad happening with Tesla as a brand. But the, when you own 60% of the market, you're going to drive the market. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. And uh, the uh, new data coming from IC Cars uh, has put the um, average resale value of a used Model 3 right now at $37,000, which is still surprisingly high, even though it's down 30% since last year. Uh, massive $16,000 price drop, um, but still close to the $40,000 starting price of the Model 3. Of course, this is the average sell price of a used vehicle. I don't know what's the average sales price of a new Model 3. I would be surprised if it's much more than $50,000, would you think? For a Model 3? Yeah. I would think less. Less than fifty. So what's the other... So you have... A, you have them... The, it starts at around like $40,000. But then after that, what's the... 47000 for the long range. Yeah, the few option. Right. Yeah. Probably, yeah, probably 40. Yeah, you're right. Probably under 50. Probably yeah, around the price of the long range, maybe if you have a few options, but then you are dragged down by the rear wheel drive uh, average, which also, again, with some option is over 40,000. But I actually just traded in my Model 3 uh, and I got 25,000 bucks for it. So uh, it was a trade in to Rivian um, and uh, it was a very early Model 3, like one of the first ones off the line in 2018. Uh, it only had rear-wheel drive, but long range. Uh, the biggest problem, though, is the uh, paint job. There's like a lot of issues with the paint. Uh, just early Tesla paint wasn't f- fantastic. Mm-hmm. So they, honestly, I probably would have, I should have sold it just in the, you know, third-party market. I probably could have got close to 30000 for it. But um, most likely, yeah. You know, it's a lot easier just to do it this way. And then um, I believe the the sales tax on the um, Rivian actually goes down by the amount that you trade in. So yeah, that's true. Uh, save money there, and and plates just transferred over easier for insurance, all that other stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of advantages to that. But it, it, in terms of the value assigned to the car. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It shouldn't have been twenty five thousand dollars. So it, it would drag down this average, actually. But yeah, thirty percent drop in a year—it's significant. But that's across the board, but not thirty percent across the board. But you can see for other electric vehicles here, like the Leaf, down nine nineteen uh, percent. Still twenty two thousand dollars for a used Leaf, an average that seems high. Yeah, like I wouldn't, especially the the older ones that you know, that have like 50 miles of range because the uh, batteries have gotten so bad. Oh, they have the E-Pace in there. Uh, I don't know if that's... I-Pace, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it's a typo or they actually use the E-Pace and the... There's, like, there's, an, F, there's an F-Pace, though. I don't know if there's yeah. an E-Pace. Oh, you're right. Yeah, so it's probably a typo then. But $33,000, is that low? No, uh, it starts at what? New... I think they're over 50. Yeah, yeah they're just over 50. Yeah, yeah well, makes sense. But yeah, the, the used car market right now is way down. And people find it weird because there's a lot of buyers for new cars, not a lot of inventory for new cars. So that normally that would 
put everything high. But even though there's a lot of potential buyers because the new vehicle market is not uh, hot right now because of financing, the, the, the interest rates right now are just so high that it's also affecting the used car market where people that would get a loan to buy a new car just cannot afford the loan either. So like on a $37,000 average use price on a Model 3, that's still $37,000 that most people don't have in their bank account ready to uh, to buy that. So they would use financing still for a used vehicle and the interest rates right now, just they're not, they don't make it a wise decision to buy a new, uh, new or used vehicle at this point, which is wild. Yeah. All right. Th- this week, Tesla sent an email and added a new warning on its website about potentially, not potentially, likely is the word they use, um, having a reduced tax credit on its um, on some without that while staying vague, some electric vehicles starting next year. So the the way that they phrased it on the, on the email uh, to customers here is the $7,500 federal tax credit will likely decrease after December 31st, 2023 for some models, new Model 3s and Model Y's vehicles delivered by December 30th, uh, 31st, 2023 still qualify for the full credit. So they say some models, they don't even specify which one, uh, but then on the website, they do uh, add this, a similar um, warning, which is reduction likely after December 31st on Model 3 and Model Y. Um, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's a I called it a self-serving warning, obviously because it does create some urgencies to take delivery by the end of the year, place another and take delivery by the end of the year. But uh, it stays vague, which also helps to the self-serving part because now you, you don't know. Okay, is it just applied to model three? Does it apply to which model three? Now, obviously, we have some kind of idea about this, but we cannot confirm it is the fact that Tesla did have the base Model 3 to full tax credit uh, earlier this year, which wasn't the case when the new, the reform of the tax credit happened starting uh, January 1st. And uh, we thought that Tesla at first didn't get the full credit because it was, it was using battery cells from China. And it's not clear how they gained a few months ago, uh, well, last month, actually, early, early last month, when they, they gained the full tax credit on the Model 3. Like no one knows how that happened because the the requirements is, is pretty clear that you you need to have uh, battery uh, percentage of battery components that are from the U.S. or from countries that have a free trade agreement with the U.S., which doesn't include China. So the the most likely thing going to happen is that Tesla was like on the battery component parts, which was forty percent. I want to say, I put that in there. Uh, for the battery component, it's 50%. So 50%, maybe uh, that sounds weird because uh, I would assume that the battery cells account for more than 50% of a battery pack. Uh, I mean, it depends how, I guess, they are, like if if it's by pound, if it's by value, I don't know, I don't know how they calculate the percentage. But anyway, um, maybe Tesla was right on the verge and... But but that doesn't explain why it was at first and was not. And so maybe like a different analysis of the component or they did change something that brought them right over 50%. I don't know. But this is going up from 50 to 60% of battery components in 2024. And for the critical minerals in, in, the, in the, the packs, it goes from 40 to 50%. So 
most likely one of those requirements won't be met by again, Tesla says some uh, models without specifying which one, which is not really fair. But um, yeah, I would assume it's at the very least the base model three, but maybe others. We don't know. And we still don't know how the base model three is even able to get any kind of tax credit. Uh, well, they they would get half of it. Right, but what, how do they get the full credit when we know yeah. that they're no, so Either a different analysis of the battery component that was submitted and then they granted the, the thing, or maybe Tesla did change, like maybe they were like right on the verge of 50%, I want to say, and then they changed like a little things and, and that came in. But again, like I said, like I'm thinking the battery cells have to account for more than 50% of a battery pack component, no? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't understand, like, and it, it's, it's also a little frustrating that Tesla doesn't, you know, communicate about that, but maybe like the EPA would, would know, like if we said, Hey, like how does Tesla's Chinese LFP pack qualify for the full tax credit? Maybe somebody there could tell us, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think how we figured out this mystery. Yeah. Get on the phone. Yeah. Get on the phone with the IRS. Always fun thing to do. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a, another new, there's, a, there's been a few leaks in the last few days from the Gigaferry, Texas, like people posting from inside the factory. Uh, I would assume there's going to be a crackdown on that soon, but there was new images this week of this, uh, the, not these actually, um, Cybertruck bodies that uh, have been posted to social media. Uh, they've been deleted since, but the um, people at the uh, Cybertruck Owners Club I grabbed some pictures before they were deleted. And uh, you can see the Cybertruck's body, which looks uh, very similar to uh, a picture that was released a few months ago. And uh, it, it, you can see the rear and the front uh, have those giant um, gigapress parts, casting parts that are looks like one big piece on each side, which is uh, encouraging. But... Other than that, it, it brings up again the debate of like, where is the exoskeleton? Um, because Tesla claims that the Cybertruck is built as an exoskeleton, but the traditional description of an exoskeleton is that you have um, external body part that are structural part of the vehicle. And when Tesla said that, they had this image here, which shows the external body part. And we are assuming that that's like okay, that's a structural part, but this looks like it. I mean, other than the casting part being giant, it's uh, traditional in the industry that you have these these parts, and then you uh, add body panels to them, and the body panels are the external part, but they are not the structural ones. The structural ones are what we see here, but none of what you see here should be visible uh, once the truck is completely built. So it's not clear what Tesla means by that. Exoskeleton. They have, uh, they have to have some uh, very creative uh, description of an exoskeleton for it to, to match that. Do you think it changed a lot uh, during the, uh, you know, making it a mass production vehicle? I mean, on, very recently, Elon still mentioned that uh, the Cybertruck is built so differently than anything else that it is... Uh, it, it, that that adds complexity to it. 
But at the same time, he could say that meaning the Tesla's new next generation vehicle platform manufacturing way that is vastly different with, and it has nothing to do with exoskeleton. So uh, it might be meaning that. So yeah, I, I think that's a fair assumption that in the steps it takes to bring the vehicle to mass production, it evolved a little bit and became closer to what we're used to. All right, um, a little bit uh, news on the Indian front from Tesla. So we've been reporting on that uh, all year. There's a renewed effort from Tesla to enter the Indian market, which is a big market that needs to be electrified and the biggest auto market that Tesla is not operating in right now. They tried to uh, for a few years between 2018 and 2021. Couldn't get into an agreement about uh, importing vehicles India was really pushing for, now you got to produce them there. And Tesla was like, well, we'd like to start with importing and then maybe move to uh, building domestically. But earlier this year, Tesla went um, and met with officials in the market and they uh, seem a lot more open to building a factory in the country. Then last month, they said, um, uh, no, in May, Tesla, there was report in India, that Tesla had agreed to build a factory in the country, though Tesla didn't announce anything officially. Then last month, Musk met with uh, the Prime Minister Modi in the U.S., and after the meeting, Musk said that uh, Tesla would be making an investment as soon as humanly possible, and they were talk about next year, uh, having a factory in India next year. Now, another report uh, from India says that uh, there's an agreement with the Indian government for an investment, or there's a proposal for an investment for a factory that would produce a half a million vehicles per year. And the starting price of the vehicle they plan to produce there would be uh, 20,000 lakh, or, or no, it's not thousand, right? It's RS there is like millions or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it would be the equivalent of $24,350 US. Uh, so that would be extremely cheap. And we assume that it's that then would be built on this new next generation platform that Tesla has revealed in the, in the investor day. Maybe that cheaper vehicle that was uh, teased with this uh, with this um, silhouette, which looks a little bit like a Model Three or Model Y. Yeah, a bit shorter maybe. All right. Uh, do you want to say a quick word about our sponsor, Pedego? Thank you for sponsoring this week's episode. Yes. This week's episode is sponsored by Pedego Electric Bikes, America's number one electric bike retailer. Pedego believes in making e-bikes easy to use and, and incredibly fun to ride. That's why they offer an extensive selection of over 20 e-bike models, each with endless customization options. No matter your style or your preference, Pedego has the perfect bike for you. That includes the Avenue, the company's newest model designed with a classic European look paired with modern features. It has a 500-watt motor, 48-volt battery, and a range of up to 56 miles on a single charge, making it the perfect e-bike for commuting or leisurely rides around town. The Avenue comes in both 28-inch classic and step-through frame and a 26-inch step-through frame, making it accessible for any rider. With over 220 stores across the country staffed by knowledgeable Local experts and dedicated service technicians, Pedego ensures that you receive personalized attention and support every step of the way. Pedego also offers a five-year warranty on all e-bikes, which is among the longest in the market. 
In July, Pedigo is running an exclusive promotion for Electrek listeners. You can save up to $500 on their bikes, including their newest bike, the Avenue. You can visit pedigo.com slash Electrek to get access now or hit the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Pedigo for sponsoring. Here's the Avenue. Good looking bike. And their stores are pretty cool. I don't know if you've been to a Pedico store, but they're kind of I've like an Apple. They're Apple stores for e-bike stuff. And even if you don't have a Pedico bike, like they have a ton of accessories. Uh, it's fun to go shopping there, especially if you have a gift to get to somebody who's a biker and e-biker. Lots and of I cannot emphasize this enough. You need an e-bike for the summer. It's just so fun. Like yeah. you, you, You're going to start using it more than your car every time you can use it. You can avoid using your car. You just travel on the e-bike. So fun. All right. If you do enjoy the show, we appreciate you. If you can give us a thumbs up, like, subscribe, uh, it helps the show a lot. If you're listening to your podcast app right now and you, you do appreciate the show, if you can give us a five-star review, only if you do like the show, obviously. Um, it takes a second to do it, and it helps the show a ton. It's easy to do, and we appreciate it. Yeah, we're, we're the number seven uh that biggest uh, auto podcast in the U in the U S right now, number eight in UK. So tell your friends about us. Like obviously a lot of you guys are subscribed already, but tell your friends. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, we have a few more news items to discuss today. But like I said, it was a slow news week. There's not that much to discuss. We have plenty of time to get into the comments. So if you guys uh, want us to discuss something in particular, the EV world, you can put it in the comment section right now. Uh, and we're going to get to it in about five or ten minutes. So. Uh, yeah, the next uh, piece of news we wanted to discuss. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Elon's AI startup was announced this week. So it's been something that's been brewing, was been talking about for a while. And uh, a lot of people are talking about a very opportunistic move because there's this AI bubble going up and everything. And, and now Elon has announced his own startup on top of it all uh, called XAI. And it has a very... Uh, ambitious goal of uh, understanding the universe and why we talked about it is not really energy vehicle related but we talked about it because it is somewhat related to tesla because we've talked about elon launching open ai before the ai business so now it's weird because he's now he's just launching a different AI startup. So uh, obviously, I think it was the easier reason that was given um, up for him quitting OpenAI, other than and like they, they didn't agree on the direction that the company was taking. Elon was taking a more uh, fearful approach to AI than than OpenAI, let's say. And then OpenAI did the Microsoft deal, of course, that was. Uh, now, what do they call themselves? It's not for they're not they're not a nonprofit anymore, but they are limited profit company or something like that. Uh, I mean, the, the deal they made with Microsoft means that uh, first Microsoft gets paid, then they get paid, and then after everybody gets paid, then they make profit for the nonprofit. They make money for the nonprofit. So it's a weird world. I don't know how. But they, they cannot. They, I know they cannot call themselves a nonprofit anymore. Right. They are like a limited profit company, which makes no sense to me. Right. Um, so, but more directly, the way that they affected Tesla. So, it, the the reason that they gave was still a good one, which mean that which was that Tesla and OpenAI were competing for the same AI talent, 
and that became so real when um, Andre Caperty, who was the head of AI at Tesla, has recently moved to OpenAI. So you can um, see where the competition is coming from. Now, on top of OpenAI and all the other AI startups that Tesla has to compete with for talent, Elon is starting one, and he hires from Tesla too. I mean, they, they released a, a small list of the first founding members of the company, and there's only one coming directly for, from Tesla, um, Ross Nordin, but it, it's still one. It's, it's still one too many it's for, for, for Tesla. Um, and um, as part of the company, so there were, there were rumors. This, Elon has been rumored to, to be starting an AI startup for a year now, uh, but it was never clear if it was going to be an AI startup standalone or if it's going to be part the, of Twitter slash X Corp or if it's uh, part of Tesla or whatever. Now, now they cl- clarify that on their website. They say, we are a separate company from X Corp, but we will work closely with X, uh, in parenthesis, Twitter, Tesla, and other companies to make progress towards emissions. So it sounds like they're going to be working with Tesla. And what capacity this is going to help Tesla, I don't know. Is it going to help them more than if the... Uh, researcher were at Tesla rather than at another company. I have my doubts. I mean, he's calling calling it X AI. Yeah. So it seems like it's part of X, which is Twitter. But this is a separate separate entity. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be using Twitter to like farm, you know, the yeah. language models and stuff. Oh, for sure. Uh, all right, that was a that was a fun one. Republicans try to stop military certification with mind-bogglingly dumb proposals. Okay, I'm not. This is not colorful language just for fun. It's not clickbait. Like once I read the proposal, you even if you vote Republicans, you're gonna agree with me if you if you know anything about electrification and electric vehicles. Um, so the uh, house of representatives right now is uh, debating this week the national defense authorization act which is this annual military budget for the pentagon basically uh, which if you don't know the pentagon is the world's largest institutional user of fossil fuel they burn more fossil fuel than anybody else uh, because they operate a fleet of close of half a million vehicles i think um uh, roughly half of them are tactical vehicles because the Pentagon includes all the military branches. Uh, but also the half of them are just regular cars too because it's, just, it's a giant, giant operation and they have uh, regular vehicles for those people that um, work for them. Yeah, and besides the regular vehicles, most of the vehicles that the Pentagon uses are not terribly efficient uh, vehicles either. Mm. Talking yeah. things like in the picture, like yeah. personal carriers. Yep. <laughs> Not the most, uh, but the U.S. Army specifically, um, I said that they want to go electric and they want to do it. They want to be net zero by 2050, and they there's they have a lot of uh, vehicle electric vehicle programs. There's electric vehicle programs to other military programs too, like DARPA and and um, I mean even the, the, the air testing uh, EVs, uh, uh, electric planes. They're they're testing everything and. As the world transition to electric propulsion, it makes sense for the military to keep a close eye on that and see where they can um, electrify too. Not, and not just for, I'm not even talking from uh, an environmental basis here, but uh, a tactical basis. 
the when when she go into a military operation here and the your your supply chain your logistic supply chain is a critical part of any military operation and that includes your fossil fuel that you have to keep delivering to those military operation for example like the Iraq invasion I mean, that was about <laughs> securing also the, those supply, but uh, for the actual operation, I mean, once when it's refined and ready to put in those trucks, um, you have to keep them coming. And of course, like, people's argument is like, all right, well, if those vehicles are electric, what are you, you going to do once they are uh, the batteries depleted? There's no charging station in those war zones. Like, of course, there's not. But there are solutions already been worked on that make a ton of sense where the military instead of having this big supply chain that keeps bringing petrol all the time, you could deploy with your bases, your advanced bases, battery pack in large containers like mega packs, and which they already have. Uh, you could just have more of them and have solar and you could recharge those vehicles to that instead. And you could shorten your supply chains greatly with that and having to keep having uh, fuel, uh, replenish all the time so there is there are advantages to it anyway at the very least the army should be looking into those things because it sounds like it's the future for most people but then you have this group of republicans here um that have uh, suggested a bunch of amendment and proposal to the defense national defense authorization acts and they sounds ridiculous i'm going to read them to you so the first amendment from uh, Repo- uh, Representative Scott Perry of uh, P- PA is Pennsylvania. Yep. Yeah. Uh, would, pro- would prohibit any funding for research and development for being used on projects involving electric vehicles, EV charging infrastructure, or photovoltaic technology, which is solar panels. So <laughs> the army would not be allowed, the, any army research and development would not be allowed to touch anything that is involving electric vehicles or solar power, <laughs> which, which sounds like ridiculous, like just limiting the army's uh, research greatly for no, for no good reason. Just, just for, uh, I mean, I, I looked into Mr. Perry because he has also another amendment here that, um, um, the other amendment is it would prevent the Biden administration from invoking the Defense and Production Act to boost EV, EV batteries, EV charging infrastructure, or critical mineral use in EVs, um, which is also dumb. Because <laughs> what if it is uh, defense issues? Like, what if something happens and one of these things become a defense issues? Like, how we, and he would not be able to do it? Makes no sense. It's no sense. Just limiting and. I tried to look into him. I say, okay, is he getting any money from fossil fuel or anything like that? I couldn't see any significant money coming to his campaigns for for fossil fuel. Uh, But that's the thing, though. You don't even need – they don't even need to be bought at this point. They just need to have been properly influenced by fossil fuel propaganda, and these things happen because of that. It's it's just as simple as that. he has received money, though, from um, uh, the dealerships association, but I don't, I don't think the dealership would go as far as like suggesting those, those things. Um, but still, another one from uh, Representative Lauren Bilbert. Bilbert, okay, from Colorado, would require the Defense Department to terminate any contracts for electric non-combat vehicles. So 
not only they wouldn't be allowed to buy new electric vehicles, they, they are, if they have current contract, they would need to revoke them. And that's for non-combat vehicles. So, so they can be, that's a quite a large thing to say non-combat electric vehicles. That's, that's basically any electric vehicle that exists today. <laughs> right. So, so some like, you know, campus Pentagon, like gem vehicle that's, you know, moving boxes around. Yeah. Got to get yeah. that out of there. Makes no sense. It's crazy. Uh, then the last one is from uh, Mr. Paul A. Gosser from uh, Arizona. Would authorized soldiers and will authorized soldiers and civilian at the U.S. Army Yuma proving ground in Arizona to use non-electric vehicles? How, why would they need that? Is there anyone preventing them from using non-electric vehicles? <laughs> This one is the craziest of them all. Like, why would you need a proposal to be written into the National Defense Authorization Act to say, hey, by the way, you're allowed to use non-electric vehicles? As if, uh, unless I'm mistaken, and there is something in the most recent version of the act that says that everyone's going to have to use EVs now. But I think that would have been big news at this point. But... I don't think that's the case because if I, I can read you a quote from Mr. Gosar, you're gonna you're gonna gauge the level of intelligence here from from the Mr. Gosar from from an actual elected official here. The military is no place to experiment with untested technology. <laughs> this guy has never heard of DARPA before. The combat readiness and training of soldiers and equipment is jeopardized by the compelled compelled use of electric vehicles. Further, the EC equipment in the EV unit do not work in the desert heat, consu- uh, constituting a health risk to personal. So, guys, just making <laughs> making things up now. Like ECs don't work in EVs. Like, all right, never heard of that one before. Like EC do use battery, yeah. Like you know, just like it, it would use energy in, in the gasoline car too. Yeah, not- what, what AC actually doesn't use electricity? Like, yeah. Uh- it's, yeah. it's ridiculous, but the military is no place to experiment with untested technology. Like, it, it, especially in Arizona, like it, they have bases. Well, maybe not in, more in Nevada, Nevada, where they have like the most like advanced research out there for untested technology. Also, yeah. electric vehicles and electric propulsion existed for a hundred years. They're not untested. It's a right. very proven mode of transportation. Now, maybe not in tactical and combat. Uh, operation but it it would be useful for the rb to be able to test it <laughs> it's complete nonsense i mean yeah meanwhile if, in in scottsdale and and uh arizona uh phoenix it's been like 110 degrees fahrenheit yeah. for two weeks straight uh records know, yeah, record just, eat, yeah. records just going like people can't go outside and nothing uh, to do with climate change though of course yeah, of course not yeah just a coincidence yeah, if uh, any of you lives in in in, in the jurisdiction of this uh, Perry in Pennsylvania, Bobert in in Colorado, and Gosser in Arizona, I would vote these uh, dum dums out of uh, office as soon as possible. Nothing to do with the, the, uh, like some Republicans to conference and the way the article was phrased because I called them Republicans, but that's not what they are. Like, it just happens that the three of them are Republicans and 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 they wrote these proposals. Nothing to do with the. Their their policies as Republican is just they they seems to have been they have fallen for fossil fuel propaganda now and they are writing nonsensical amendment to 
Like you, you, you cannot. You read those and then you cannot trust those people's judgments. As simple as that. They shouldn't right. be elected officials, right. regardless of your politics. That's right. Uh, quick news on the Chevy Blazer EV. Uh, the first shipments left the Mexico and they are going to the U.S. So you can expect the, the first ones to be coming very, very soon. Uh, also, we have a quick update on the production capacity of the Ramos Alzipe plant in Mexico. Producing 65 units an hour. So that's pretty good. But GM, GM is like that. Like we, uh, where the, the production of this thing like started like weeks, if not months ago. And they take a while between the production and the start of deliveries. And by the time the deliveries happen, they already have a decent production rate. Yeah, I got to take a look at the, uh, like a production run. It was built in the plant, but it wasn't the, uh, the final production version at the Silverado event. It's a mm-hmm. pretty good looking car. Uh, definitely very Chevy looking. Uh, and, you know, we got news recently that the, uh, they're not going to build the super fast SS version mm-hmm. right away. They're going to build a, a lower tier. So uh, probably a little bit less, ex- save people some money, less expensive. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the Taycan is, uh, is cooling off a little bit. We were uh, we were a big fan of the Taycan when when it first came out. Uh, uh, I'm a bit disappointed in Porsche, of course, for not having anything else since the. Uh, well, I mean, they have the the cross uh, Turismo version, but it's, it's, it's pretty close to, to, to it's still a Taycan. It's still called a Taycan. Yeah, um, I mean, we were expecting the uh, Macan by now. Yeah, by now, by three years ago. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they 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 they're pulling uh, they are pulling a Nissan of. Uh, of having a big gap between their first and second electric vehicles. If you don't count the Nissan ENV, whatever, then the van that they had in Europe. Oh, yeah, NRV or whatever, yeah. yeah. So 2021 was the biggest year for the Taycan. Uh, over 41,000 units it became one of the biggest vehicle programs for, for, for the company. Um, but then uh, things went down in 2022 with 34, uh, just short of 35,000 units. And now they are tracking down again in 2023. Uh, they had 9,000 units in the first quarter, but uh, the second. So the first half, they are at uh, nine units shorts of 18,000 delivered in the first half of the year. So it's actually not, well, okay, it's, it's, it's tracking down year over year compared to the first half of, of last year, but. I mean, if they still go at that pace, they will have uh, 36,000 units, which would be a little bit higher than last year. So we'll see. But yeah, year over year, it is down. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's only on. They, they need that. They need that Macan as soon as possible. I mean, what's what's taking share from the Taycan? Is it Tesla's Model S? Refresh coming out. I mean, then there's the Mercedes. The right. in, in in that segment, BMW. there's a lot of electric. Like if you're not buying electric in that segment right now, you don't know where you're going because there's plenty of options between the Tesla, the Porsche, the Mercedes, the BMWs. They are all have great high-end sedan options at this point. Yep. All right, that's it for us on the news. Let's jump into the comments before leaving you guys. All right, Mike the Car Geek says fake engine noise and fake transmission shifts in an EV, terrible or terrific idea. I think uh, Lexus or Toyota is having a trans, like doing transmission noise. What do you think? Fake? Oh, fake? there's a bunch of them now. This, this, this is not just Toyota. A bunch of, I, 
honestly, as long as it's optional, I don't care. Like, yep. make, it, make it an option. Like, if some people like it, all right, take right. it. Some people don't like it. You turn it off. That's it. Like, I mean, personally, I would not. I, w- I want to have the natural noises that comes with electric engine, which exists, which are not as loud as a ice engine, but still. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, options. I'm all for options. Yeah. One thing that uh, not everybody uh, thinks about is that uh, the RPMs of an engine, when you hear them and can feel them, it can kind of give you an idea of how yeah. fast you're going. You know, if you're going 80 miles per hour, it's it's a little bit higher pitch than if you're going 60 miles per hour, uh, especially if you're in top gear. Uh, and that doesn't exist quite in the same way for electric vehicles, although it still has has a noise. It would be interesting to see if that was an option, like instead of just like fake engine noise, if you had like a pitch where like, all right, in the background, a low you know pitch that so you would kind of know by the pitch how fast you're going. Yeah, some of them I tried to recreate that, I think, in, in, in some degree, but um, still should be an option. All right, Carl in San Diego says that's just a failed mock-up of the Las Vegas fiasco vehicle. Uh, seemed kind of real to us here. Um, Dan Oberstay, Mike Carkey, if the sound is inside the passenger compartment only, if it can be turned off, if you don't want it, it's okay, just not for me. That's kind of our yeah, stand as well. Uh, Glenn Stanford question. I want to upgrade my 2020 Model 3P, but don't want to lose my FSD, biggest increase in value ever seen in any asset class in history, LOL. Surely this is holding back sales for Tesla. Glenn, we talked about this a lot last week. Um, So go back and listen to that podcast. Yeah, that was last week's episode, basically, you're talking about. We, We pushed very hard for Tesla to allow the transfer of ownership in FSD. And I, I, Still think that it's going to happen at some point. Tesla's just not going to, there's going to be, going to be so many people holding on to their old cars because they don't want to lose that $15,000 of value. So uh, our feeling, I think if I, I can speak for you is that Tesla at some point will allow you to take it with you or maybe, you know, turn I it. I mean, in. I hope, right. uh, I don't know if I think that's the will though. Like, how okay. Yeah. And uh, going forward, maybe it makes sense. Uh, if you're buying into the full self-driving, maybe buy in on a subscription basis mm-hmm. uh, if you don't know uh, how long you're going to keep your car. Paul Price, hi. Does anyone know which battery is in the 333-mile 2023 Model 3 long-range all-wheel drive? It used to be 358 miles at the end of 2022. Uh, I think we talked about that two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yeah, well, whenever it came out... Uh... Yeah, we uh, we weren't sure. Uh, it's not it's not clear. Yeah, and it hasn't come out yet. The deliveries should be starting though. So, yeah, we were thinking uh, there might be a chemistry change or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is so? This is from LinkedIn. Uh, what is big thing in Tesla and price of internet down? What is the rumors? Uh, I don't know. No, Wait, I'm what not sure what you're referring to. I know. Oh, in regards to the uh, E-Pace and I-Pace, there is an E-Pace. Uh, it's funny. I was actually looking at the, the website after I saw this comment. Um, it's it's upcoming, and the European model is shown. And actually, on the page, Jaguar set has a picture of it charging with a uh, you know electric vehicle charger. But looking at the specs for the U.S. model, it's not going to have an EV option. So. Not sure what the what the deal is. Well, there. They, they, they were plugins to include it in that in that chart. So, what were there? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There so, was like the so Range Rover and all that, the Range yeah. Rover plugin. And... 
All right. Uh, so that's right. They're not giving proper evidence that the Model 3 qualified properly. I mean, we have to assume that they gave some sort of evidence to the EPA or the oh, IRS. Yeah. So I don't know what that evidence would be or what, what it is, but it's a mystery. Uh, Mike DeCargi, why don't Teslas qualify for used EV tax credits in the U.S.? They're not on the official IRS list. Does Elon not want to lure people to buy used? Uh, what, uh, what, what, are the, what are the requirements uh, for, for, for the used car tax credit? We had, we had a list of those. Uh... You, you know, it might be that it comes from a qualified dealer. Which... Oh, yeah that's, oh, yeah, that's a big one, yeah. So... But Tesla has dealership license in most states that it operates in, so it should technically be okay on that. Yeah, maybe it's just not. Hmm. I don't know. A question. Could you still buy a Bolt EUV? Would you buy a car not being produced anymore? I'm debating between a Kia Niro, prices have plummeted, or EUV. Um, You can still buy one. Uh, You know, I I think GM's going to support it for a number of years, but um, there's some other compelling... Uh, vehicles out there as well. Uh, you mentioned the Kia Nero. Um, GM's going to have the uh, Blazer and the Equinox pretty soon. Um, you know, Ford's Mustang is a little bit bigger than that, but uh, still quite compelling. Model Y. Um, but with, with your with, with your first Bolt EV, did you have a lot of uh, repairs over the years? On I had zero repairs. Zero repairs. Well, that's that probably answers. Uh, MJ's pretty the Kramer's question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. I I picked it up at the dealership in 2017, and I didn't <laughs> I didn't do anything besides uh, windshield wiper fluid for until until the pandemic 2020 when I took it back. All right, moving on. Uh, Paul Price, let's move on here. Do uh, I just want to know how long my model, my 2018 model three will last. Like, uh, I mean, there's evidence right now that some vehicles last as many as hundreds of thousands of, uh, yeah, there's miles. quite a few 2012, yeah. uh, Tesla's on the road, including Fred's. I used to have, um, a model X that had, uh, 400,000 miles on it. And 373,000 miles on one battery pack. It had a battery pack change at one point. All right, Joseph De La Fuente. The acid test for the exoskeleton claim of the Cybertruck would be to start cutting large holes in the body panels once you take delivery. Is the car still drivable or does the structure implode? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave uh, that to you, Joseph. Which yeah. You can do that with your own Cybertruck. <laughs> I'm, uh, as a car reviewer, we won't be doing that on ours. All right, Stefan is not in, in, happy with this situation mm-hmm. with the exoskeleton. Just another lie from the company that makes a lot of them. Remember the Model S tw- 2012 was promised to have full felt self-driving in 2014. Well, that's uh, not Tesla lying there. I think that's you on this one. I don't, I don't remember that Tesla making that. Uh, 2016, that I think, was the first uh, time. Yeah, I have a 2012 Model S. I'm not expecting to have a FSD on that. Uh, yay, e-bikes. Thanks, Pedigo. Yeah, thanks for sponsoring. That's big appreciation there. Uh, Paul Price, dual motor, all-wheel drive, long-range trim. So what is the new battery maker in size? Uh, we don't know that. 
it's it's kind of weird the level of uh, transparency right now like we like people are buying cars they don't know what's you know where the batteries are made what batteries they're getting mm-hmm. all right uh will we reach out to fisker for a deep dive on their impact report they released a life cycle assessment for the ocean and directly compared it to polestar in that report important news uh it's something we could look into i think uh Scooter would be kind of the guy to find out stuff about that. So I'll see how he's. Yeah, he covers Fisker a little bit more, but I mean, the the impact report. What do we need to compare that to? Not a big player at this point, and and also Magnus McBuilding. So, all right, Techman Rob, question: We know how Tesla FSD is powered by AI. How about another self-driving company backed by Microsoft called Wave? Do some research on Wave AI-powered self-driving car in London. Okay. Well, I think all self-driving cars are AI-powered, but I'm not familiar with Wave, actually. What do people think of Tesla's current voice commands? Have other EVs caught up? Do they need some AI help? Um, Are you a big user of Tesla's uh, voice commands? I'm not a big user of them. uh, Yeah, I, I do it sometimes. Um, they're pretty good. I would say not as good as, uh, Google's, um, just at, you know, understanding and, and kind of getting context. Um, probably not as good as Siri either. Uh, a lot of cars have CarPlay or Android auto, so they're not quite in that space yet. Uh, and even like, uh, Mercedes has a pretty good, like Mercedes, you know, rear windshield wiper or whatever. Um, so I, I would say Tesla's probably in the middle of the road. Uh, and now we're talking about the, the, uh, yeah, the comments from the GOP. Yeah. Military stuff. Apparently the GOP haven't heard of DARPA, which is the defense advanced research project agency, uh, with Dan Oberstay, uh, without a need to protect fossil fuel sources, the U S military will lose a majority portion of their mission. It's an interesting take. Yeah, I mean, there is this aspect of the war machine and the uh, industrial military complex, but but even then, it's all about like funding money to the military. It's not even like, like cutting the budget. In that, it's just like can some of the budget go to having military electric vehicles. And it's it's weird because it's taking the it's it's taking the decision-making out of the hands of the experts. So like you're saying, all right, I know more than the army. I know more what you need than than the army. Right. The the idiot Congress people are saying like these, you know, the smartest people in the world Mm -hmm. who do this stuff are wrong. I'm right. So dumb. And the military is asking for, for electric vehicles. They, they want them. They, or at least they want to, Look into them. They they have various programs are now in place to electrify uh, even tactical vehicles, and they're like, "No, you're not allowed to do that." Not allowed, <laughs> like little children. Drew Warkenston, the military has often been the one pushing technology forward. Yeah. So much of the tech we have now came out of military research. It's strange that they're slow so to adopt electric vehicles. It's true. I mean, it's not exactly strange because, like, you, you need people to build them. Yeah, like you need companies to build those those, those tactical military vehicles. We talked about the GM GM uh, defense last week or the week before that. Uh, so you, you, these need to happen first, too. But yeah, 
All right, Drew Workenstein, is there any truth to Representative Gosar's comment about EV air conditioning? I can think of any reason that ICE vehicle AC would work any better or function any different than an EVs. No. Yeah, a, a internal combustion engine vehicle is using an electric air conditioning as well. Mm. As it's- what it might be, what you mean, I think it was, was referencing is that if you run AC, you're draining the battery pack faster. But okay, but you also drain your gasoline tank faster. Right. So like, what, what are you talking about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. All right, here's the weird one. Question, have you ever asked Tesla if they will build electric buses? We need more shared use of mass transit and Elon's statements about serial killers was counterproductive. Uh-huh. Uh, I, th- I think he said something about not wanting to take a bus because there's, do you want to sit next to a serial killer? Oh, uh, boy. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a genius in this stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, in, in my article about the, the people mover league, um, I did reference the uh, master plan part two uh, that uh, out in that, in, in that second master plan, Tesla, well, Elon mentioned several, vehicle, new vehicle program, and Tesla made all of those except for a Tesla bus or mini bus that he mentioned at the time. So, yeah, it hasn't always been in in the plans. There was a talk briefly about um, using the Model X chassis to make a mini bus. That never came to fruition, but, yeah, it sounds like this weird people mover thing is really something that they are planning to do. All right, the Hyundai Ionic 5N, which I think is going around Goodwood right now in England. Is a new car that's doing crazy fake shifting and first on a production car. So fake shifting is not Toyota or Lexus, but it's the domain of Hyundai. Uh, Nick Cedar, most used Teslas aren't under the $25,000 limit. So that's another stipulation of the, uh, yeah. the IRA for used cars. Sorry, There's not Tim. a lot of cars under the $25,000 limit these days. Though. But my Tesla Model 3 was. Yeah. All right. Any studies that show the average mileage because the battery will last for so far? I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. Oh, average battery life before replacement. I, I don't know if we have an average. It's too early, I would think, to, to say. But look at the warranty more than anything else. And the warranty generally co- covers... Uh, eight years a uh, hundred plus thousand miles so i would look at that more than anything else yeah all right, all right. well i think that's it for us this week uh thanks a lot for everyone for listening to this week's episode if you do enjoy your show please give us a thumbs up a like a subscribe whatever it is on the app that you're listening to because we are everywhere all the time we're gonna see you same time same place ne- next week